0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
1: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, it's college football season, and that means we have a chance to talk today to Matt Baker, who covers college football for the Tampa Bay Times. We'll be talking about... The Florida Gators, of course, lots going on up there uh, in Florida State, University of South Florida, all the uh, state schools, as well as conference realignment, recruiting, all of that coming in just a minute. But first, let's get started talking about the Rays and the deal that they made before the deadline, getting Aaron Savalli from the Cleveland Guardians, a uh, right-handed pitcher with outstanding numbers to bolster that starting pitching staff. Uh, they gave up a really bright prospect in uh, Kyle Manzardo, one of the, uh, in fact, one of baseball's best hitting prospects. But to get something, you have to give up something. They also would have uh, control, I guess, of Savali for for some time. So, um, you know, Eric Neander said that this was the most obvious need they had. Uh, It didn't look like it was going to be an easy deal uh, as the deadline approaches uh, today. Uh, But this is a guy that has... uh, pitch very well and the Rays as you know are struggling um, you know it looks like they're going to hang on and beat the Yankees as we do this podcast in the ninth inning but they were seven and 16 uh you know going into Monday night's game in in July uh historically bad July for them and, and not that all of that is on the starting pitching but certainly they've had injuries and so they've tried to bolster that staff by getting Savali, he's compiled a 29-23 record career wise, three seven seven ERA over parts of five seasons. He missed a couple of months, most of April and May, with an oblique strain. But he's been on quite a run, going four and one with a two two four ERA in his last eleven starts, and three and zero with a one four five ERA in his last six. So this is a guy with a cutter, a curveball, um, good metrics all the way around, and somebody that's going to be an awesome pickup for their for their pitching staff. And we'll see if they're able to. Uh, Uh, to do more as uh, as as they go on but uh, again giving up a pretty good left-handed bat in Manzaro uh, one of the game's top prospects uh, somebody that's uh, been been ranked uh, very high and and uh, also chosen for the recent All-Star Futures game so uh, again uh, the Rays still probably could add another pitcher somebody in the bullpen would like to add a bat if they could too but we're quickly approaching the deadline, and we'll see where that goes. All right, the Bucks uh, continue their practicing over at the uh, Advent Health Care Center, and on Monday we had a chance to talk for the first time with Shaquille Barrett, and I will just refer you to my story in Tampa Bay Times and on Tampa dot um, I have covered a lot of players, uh, and I'm not sure I've covered a stronger one than Shaquille Barrett, and has nothing to do with his physical stature. I mean, this is a guy obviously coming off uh, an Achilles injury and all of that, secondary to everything that has happened in his, him and his family's life uh, with the uh, drowning of their daughter uh, back at the end of April. And Shaquille Barrett was able to um, come before reporters. This was something that was planned for some time and have an opportunity to talk about uh, his daughter, Araya, Two-year-old that that passed back in April, and um, the strength that at him and his family, Jordana, his wife, his three children have had uh, is really remarkable uh, throughout this this terrible, terrible tragedy. Um, It, I think, you know, afterwards, I heard that you know he liked uh, the ability to, to talk about her. This is something that's weighed on his mind. Football has been a sort of a welcome distraction for him at times but last sunday was family day she would have been there one of her first family days at at the bucks facility um certainly he he's, she's on her mind his his mind all the time um but that was one that uh that was a tough day um but you know from that i think that Shaq and, and his family are intent on turning um this tragedy into something positive and and he announced that they're uh, forming a foundation called Area Hope, and that will be a foundation that will be used to provide free swimming lessons uh, for children and um, also some uh, some AI, some motion sensor equipment, things that may be able to help prevent these sort of tragedies. You know, I mean, look, um, it, it's a very common, unfortunately, occurrence especially in the state of Florida with all the swimming pools and 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 you know surrounded by water as we are in the state and and in Tampa Bay uh and you know in this instance they had all the gates and everything you said that particular night however uh it was left open so um you know just a just a tragic occurrence there if there is a um uh, kind of something to uh for for the Barrett family to get excited about uh, it is the fact that Jordana found out a couple of weeks ago that she is pregnant with another baby daughter. Um, of course, nothing will replace, or nobody can replace, Araya. Um, However, uh, you know, and Shaq even admitted that, and he was very vulnerable in this interview that he was frankly nervous about it because he had just undergone such a traumatic experience. And you know, you think about children and, and all the things that that can happen to them. Um, but he is past that now and and they're looking forward, uh, to that baby coming in February. And, uh, while, uh, while he knows that a would have been a big sister, uh, he also said, he's pretty sure that maybe she had a hand in this, uh, this latest miracle. So fascinating interview, um, check it out on Tampa and in the Tampa Bay times as well. Before we get to Matt, I want to tell you guys that you already know it's hurricane season in Florida, but there's still time to keep the power on without breaking the bank. That's getting solar battery backup power from May Electric Solar. With solar battery backup power, there's no fuel cost, no loud generator noise, no annual maintenance cost. Plus, May Electric Solar offers a 15-year warranty. Now, solar battery backup can save you hundreds of dollars each month, and if you lose power, a generator could cost over $2,000 a week to keep your house running. New solar battery backup systems qualify for a 30% tax credit or you can add a battery to your existing in-phase solar system. Trust the pros in solar. To learn more about May Electric solar battery backup or to get started, call 727-819-2862 or visit mayelectricsolar.com. All right, I'm excited about football, really excited about college football, and that comes even before the NFL. And that means we get to talk to Matt Baker of the Tampa Bay Times who covers college football for us. And, Matt, you have uh, been around to some meetings and other places, written a bunch of stories about uh, the college football season, which is coming up here shortly. I want to start at the University of Florida, and uh, Billy Napier, you wrote an interesting story about team building and maybe not just acquiring talent. I don't think the two are mutually exclusive necessarily. Um, but explain what Napier means and and some of the tools that he's using to uh, to do that up there.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me on. One of the things that's kind of in the war room up, up in Gainesville, it says uh, we're, we're building a team, not amassing or not collecting talent. Hmm. And I get what that means, right, where you don't just want the most talented players because the most talented players might not be the best players, if that makes sense. And they certainly might not be the best players for you and for your program. Sure. Uh, Obviously, there's fit like on the field and then just off the field. You want to collect people who fit into your culture and what you're trying to do. And um, so that's something that they stressed a lot uh, up at, at Media Day on Sunday, just kind of the idea that, they're really working on building a team and the culture and all that stuff. And I, and I've got a few thoughts on it. One is it's, it's probably true. Um, you know, a couple of the gators have kind of said or suggested over the last few months that not everybody was bought in last year, which that's not uncommon, right? You got a new staff. I didn't recruit these guys. They didn't come to play for me. There's going to be some friction. So you would certainly hope that things are better in the chemistry and, and camaraderie and what have you. That's the first part. Secondly, This time of year, almost every program in the country will tell you how much closer they are and how we're not teammates, we're brothers, and this, that, and the other. So there's some of that. The other thing that jumps out is this is something that is fine to say and sounds good, but it's also kind of a—it tells me there's other issues at Florida. Um, And what I mean by that is— if you're asking everybody how this team is better than last year and the answer you keep getting is we're more of a team, we're brothers mm. and not the receivers are a lot better or the linebackers <laughs> are deeper, <laughs> you know, pick, pick your on the field thing. Yeah. Uh, that kind of tells me something. And, and then my, my final thought on this, and I think I'm going to write about this in, in our in our newsletter this week. It It's kind of a sign of Billy Napier approaching this his way, right? where he's not in a position, he's he's not trying to be in a position where they microwave success, where you know we go out in the portal and we bring in 30 guys and there are our guys and we're going to sink or swim with them because we have to win in year two or we're screwed. Billy's not in that situation. Uh, I think it's been pretty clear by his actions, uh, literally starting in his first couple weeks and how he approached the first signing class, that he's wanting to build this for the long haul. And that means really getting that foundation in place, even if it doesn't show up on the field with eight wins or whatever. So he's really trying to build that foundation and then get the guys on top of it in the coming, you know, coming months and and coming years. And that's a way you can do it. If you have time and if you have patience And, Mm -hmm. and I go, I go back to something Scott Strickland said, uh, on the day you fired Dan Mullen, which was that, Florida needs to build a program for, that can sustain success, right? The last three coaches, Will Muschamp and Jim McElwain and Dan Mullen, they've all had flashes of success. Sure. You know, the, the Sugar Bowl and the back-to-back Easts and the three New Year 6s they've all done it briefly, but they couldn't sustain it. And the lows were really, really low. So they're trying to build something where the lows are higher and more consistent, and then the ceiling gets higher too as a result. And that's kind of where they are right now. And I view these just the way this off season has gone and the, the way Florida was entering camp, which started Monday as a kind of a sign that uh, they're really trying to sustain success in an era or in, 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 doing so in a way where they're expecting patience and a fan base in a industry that is not always patient.
1: No, it certainly is not. And, and certainly not the Florida fan base for sure. Um, we'll get into recruiting. You mentioned that just a minute ago, but you know, every level of football seems to start at the quarterback position um, Wisconsin transfer I guess Graham Mertz is there is is he going to be the starter or just how are they going to work out this competition
0: yeah it's going to come come out here in the next probably week and a half two weeks I, I don't remember what the date of their first scrimmage off the top of my head but the goal would be around then to probably have a guy so that way whoever he is Graham Mertz Jack Miller in theory Max Brown but really it's going to be Mertz or Miller Um, they'll be able to have the rest of camp to kind of practice with the ones and develop that chemistry and camaraderie with the receivers and the line and all that stuff. But, I mean, let's be clear, I I would be very surprised if it's not uh, Graham Mertz. You know, you you bring in a guy like that, and yes, the experience and all that stuff is nice, but Graham Mertz, I'm pretty sure, didn't come to Florida to be the backup. So I I would be very surprised if he's not starting week one against Utah.
1: Yeah, I kind of kind of pigeonholed up there in that Wisconsin offense, which was a run-heavy offense, didn't get to do a whole lot. Um, You also were at the ACC meetings, and, uh, look, I'm excited about the prospect of Florida State this year. Um, I expect them, uh, of course, they'll be nationally ranked, but you think they're going to win the ACC, and that means taking down Clemson. Explain
0: Yeah, so I don't know that there's a huge gap between Florida State and Clemson. You know, I submitted my, we're recording Monday night, and I I submitted my AP Top 25 ballot earlier today, and we'll get into that uh, next week or or down the line. Um, I didn't have much of a gap between Florida State and Clemson. There's a good amount of spots between them, but like we're kind of splitting hairs and they're all on that same four to 11 jumble. Um, But when it came down to it, jim or excuse me uh florida state is is stable for the first time since the jimbo era um they they had a a coaching staff that was almost all intact and didn't have to be Mm you've got a roster that's just about every contributor is back from jordan travis jared verse trey benson johnny johnny wilson all these guys the offensive line their high-end guys are very high-end, and, and the top of that roster is going to be really, really good. I, I don't know about the depth. I do have some concerns there at, at certain positions, uh, defensive line for one. But I, I trust them right now, and Clemson hasn't been the same since you know uh, Tony Elliott and Jeff Scott and Brent Venables left. And, and I think Garrett Riley's a really good coach, the, the new offensive coordinator, but I, I want to see it a little bit more on the field. And, and as we sit here today, you know, recording this on July 31st, I like what Florida State has. I trust Jordan Travis. I trust Mike Norvell more than I trust Club Nick and and, and Garrett Garrett Riley and and Dabo Sweeney at at this point. So as I sit here splitting hairs, I think Florida State uh, wins the ACC. Uh, I absolutely think they're going to be in the mix for the playoff. And I'll put it this way. When I was in Charlotte last week for the ACC Media Days, I was asking some of my colleagues, how high on my ballot is too high for Florida State? What's the point where I would you would look at it and say, "Ooh, I don't know about that. That's a little much," um, just to try and see whether I was crazy was a, whether I was in the ballpark or not. So that's my hint about where I put the knolls.
1: Wow, look forward to that. So I mean, Travis looks like the real deal, right? I mean, all these college football teams that are you know nationally ranked that that have a chance of playing for a, a national title are led by that position. Um, he's had the experience. What uh, what's what's the next level for him? Do you think this year?
0: Consistency is part of it for sure. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he, when when he was on, he was absolutely on. Uh, and, and you know, his mobility, his elusiveness. I I said it last year at one point. Like the list of guys who are as elusive as he is that I've seen with my own eyes: Bryce Young, Lamar Jackson. That's the list, probably right. Like mm. maybe Mariota or something. But I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Pretty sure that's the list <laughs> right and, you know i didn't see michael vick with my own eyes but throw him in there so he's yeah, sure he, he's he's unbelievable with, with it and, and so the next step is uh, staying elusive and, and being able to do all those houdini things that he did that beat florida but then also eliminating some of the mistakes being a better more consistent passer uh, to where every game he can go out and, and absolutely win it the way he did against florida and, and no that's probably not realistic but for him to continue developing that ceiling and doing it more consistently and avoiding some of the mistakes like the one at NC State that cost him, that type of stuff, if he does that, and I certainly think he's capable of it, he's a Heisman contender. And if mm-hmm. he does that, you got a Heisman-winning quarterback with everything else Florida State has. That's a team that can make the playoff.
1: No, that would, That would be exciting. I think continuity at the coaching and quarterback position always wins, and they've got that going for them at, at Florida State. All right, let, let's, let's talk a little bit about um, recruiting. And uh, I'll get into a story in a minute that you and Night Knight combined on about why maybe some Florida recruits are leaving the state. But let's talk about Florida and FSU. Uh, they, you say, look like a top uh, six recruiting class. Even USF has made uh, a little bit of noise of lately.
0: Yeah, so let's start with, with, with Florida and Florida State here. I'm looking at the, the 247 composite rankings. And again, these change all the time. But again, let's put the caveat here. It's July 31st, August 1st by the time you're listening sure, to this. Sure. Things will change. Players will commit. They will decommit. They will flip. Stuff will happen. Okay. Mm-hmm. That said, Florida's got the number three class in the country, Florida State has the number six class in the country. The last time the state had two top 10 recruiting classes, I believe, was 2012. 2012. So it's been 11 years, I guess, 12 years when you think about the signing class since two schools were in this position, and that says a lot. You know, start with the Gators. You know, they got a a blue chip quarterback, DJ Lagway, four star, five star, depending on your service, Um, and a bunch of really good players around. Where they're recruiting, like this is what I expected to see from Billy Napier, right? He he talked day one, college football is a talent acquisition business. We are seeing it right now. It's a year later than I expected. Because most coaches, the elite coaches, make a, a big jump in their first full cycle. But maybe there's reasons why it didn't happen. With, you know, like when we look back at what Bama did in its first recruiting, first full class under Sabin and Kirby, and, and the first year one at Georgia, he didn't. They didn't have to work, deal with the transfer portal. They didn't have to deal with nil. So there was just different stuff. But this is a type of class that, if this sticks, and again, if Florida's as mediocre as I expect, well, things might happen. But if this sticks. This is the class that you can say, "All right, this is Florida turning things around." And if they do this and keep doing it, they're going to be competing with LSU and Georgia and Bama. Wow! Uh, Florida State has been a, a slower burn just because Norvell has been so good with the transfer portal. Uh, he hasn't batted a thousand, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But you look at all the guys, you know. Jared Verse was a transfer from Albany, and uh, Jermaine Johnson a couple of years ago, was a transfer from Georgia, and Trey Benson from Oregon, and Johnny Wilson from Arizona State, and um, Meach from Charlotte, and uh, Dylan Gibbons from Notre Dame, and on and on and on and on. He has hit very very high level uh, through the transfer portal, and he hasn't needed to do it in the high school ranks as much. But you know they got a, a five star commit the other day, uh, gained a couple others, and now they're up at number six in the country if 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 tra- or excuse me, if, if Norvell can continue hitting at that level in the portal and adding in a couple of five stars and a bunch of blue chip guys in high school recruiting, okay. now, now you're getting somewhere. Now you're mm-hmm. getting where you know I, I think the ceiling on this team is the playoff, which hey, that's that'd be fantastic for them, right? Let's I'm not gonna downplay that. But eventually Florida State to get you know, Florida State should be competing for national championships and I don't think they're there yet. But you keep doing this you can get there. You can see national championship picture from there. Um, and then let's talk USF. Uh, they they got a commit uh, Monday from Fred Gaskin, who's a safety and athlete from Ocala. Uh, two four seven Sports Composites got him at the number two hundred ninety five player in the country. Four star. He would be in the top ten high school recruits of USF in the modern recruiting era. Period. Mm. Wow. I mean, he had offers from a bunch of big programs. Alabama was after him, among others. If he stays, and again, it's August August 1st, July 31st. That's my standard disclaimer, right? But if USF is able to hang on to him, especially after a year that might be kind of rough, that's one of those kind of turning point moments, potentially, where we can see what Alex Golish is doing with the Bulls and the talent that he's amassing. And maybe you can think this guy in the, this program has a chance.
1: I mean, in general, I mean, you hear this about almost every coach that goes to a new program. But I'm, I'm just wondering, kind of, what is the buzz with Alex Golish. They say, you know, he he says he won't be outworked, but it seems like he really does and is working on the recruiting trail uh, as hard as as he could possibly do.
0: Yeah, he's he's been working extremely hard at, at uh, you know evaluating talent and then uh, recruiting. And, and let's be clear too, he's worked a lot in kind of the the living room thing in terms of like NIL, right? And trying to get people excited and interested in that, because that's going to be a huge part of of USF's future, the the Fowler Ave Collective, and and fundraising for the stadium, right? Like, let's not forget about that. But if USF is going to get to where they want to go on the field, um, conference realignment, getting the stadium, filling the stadium, all that stuff – they're going to have to win, but they're also going to have to win in living rooms and boardrooms and that sort of thing. And, and Golish has definitely been putting in the work to try and make that happen as he goes into his first year. And I would think that buys him some goodwill, especially if this year does, you know, if it looks like a year one or a year zero of a team, that's very much trying to rebuild,
1: you know, so many players in the state of Florida and so many of them on other rosters throughout the country, and especially in the sec, um, and you and Joy Knight uh, combined uh, to uh, to write sort of a story about seven Florida recruits that left the state, all for sort of various reasons. And then, you know, there might be some commonality there as well. Um, tell me what you found out. I, I, I know it's a small sample size, but I think it's emblematic of, of sort of what happens.
0: Yeah. So this is one that has been in, in the back of my mind for a while. You, know, you and I have talked about it, and I've written tons of stories about kind of the brain drain of, of Florida recruits where, absolutely, you know, when, when the big three was the big three, mm-hmm. you know, Derek Brooks from, from uh, Pensacola, right. And, mm-hmm. and Smith from Pensacola and Warren Sapp from a pop guy. And then we, we could go on and on and on. Sure. Um, but f- for the most part, the big three kept the big Florida players. And that mm-hmm. was a huge reason why they did what they did from 83 to Oh one. And, the Reason why Georgia is doing what it's doing, and Alabama has done what it's done, a lot of it was Florida players. You know, I, I go back to uh, the, the first the, the Bama Georgia national championship, where the the couple plays that changed the game in Georgia's favor. You know, uh, Jalen Carter blocked a kick. He was a five star kid from Apopka. And then a couple of plays later, um, James, uh, James Cook from Miami ripped off a big run to set up a score for Georgia. And, you know, again, he was a, a Miami kid whose brother, <laughs> Dalvin, went to Florida State, and he was at Georgia. So that's the type of stuff that's been one of the biggest issues in the state. So that's a long way of saying I had wondered why. Uh, we tried to do it last year, and it didn't work out. But Joey and I had talked to some guys at SEC and ACC Media Days, and just why would you want to leave? What was the yeah. poll? Yeah. And th- there were different answers that you'd expect. Uh, Arande Gadson's a tight end receiver at Syracuse. Who's got a high end NFL potential or NFL draft potential. You know, he said, uh, I, I wanted to go to Miami, but they didn't offer me even though mm-hmm. he's from South Florida and, and USF recruited him. But he- his story was that when they offered him a-, a, an official visit and before it actually could happen, they got a commit from somebody at the same position. So that was that. Um, uh Le-Miles brooks a, a defensive back from georgia tech um he kind of you know he, i asked you know somebody was asking him who, who the players he models his game after and the answers were jalen ramsey and derwin james With <laughs> this kid from jacksonville <laughs> had an offer from florida state but wanted to go to georgia tech for academic reasons and to go to atlanta and you know okay. uh, a bunch of them kind of wanted to just wanted to see what else was out there which makes sense right like i mean sure i'm an indiana guy i went to northwestern out of state because i had seen and done indiana I wanted to go away from home, but not too close. And mm-hmm. so I, I totally get that, totally respect it. The best answer, though, uh, Dallas Turner, who is a elite, elite recruit from St. Thomas Aquinas in Fort Lauderdale, told Joey, I mean, it's Nick Saban. Why not? Yeah,
1: there you yeah. go. <laughs> so, so
0: that's that, that's what that's some of the things that okay, you're not going to be able to to argue that at this point, but if if Billy and Norvell and Cristobal and whoever get things rolling, maybe at some point. Um, but I thought their answers were, were interesting and just kind of gave us a glimpse into this exodus that to some degree has kind of defined the mediocrity of Florida college football for the last you know 15 years, with obviously the Florida State exception.
1: Yeah, got to keep them in the state. And and I think a lot of these guys see the success, obviously, of the programs like Georgia and Alabama and the success they have getting players to the NFL and, uh, and, and, and high draft picks on top of that. Um, let's talk a little bit about conference realignment because we could do hours and hours on it. But there are some bizarre occurrences, I think, that I see almost every day happen, whether that's San Diego State uh, not going to the Pac-12, whatever it is, uh, where do we stand with all of this right now? It feels a little <laughs> like the wild West and I'm not sure. I'm not sure who's going to have to leave town.
0: So again, we're recording this now, nine thirteen, and I I'm being very particular about this because uh, <laughs> we have to be Brett McMurphy, a uh, former temperature yeah. writer uh, tweeted an hour ago. eyeball eat the eyeball emojis. So I, this is this is Uh-oh. this is our this is our job and how insane and ridiculous it is. <laughs> I have been refreshing tr- Twitter far too often during my kids' bedtime to yeah. see what the eyeball emojis are because uh. there's so many possibilities. I personally, I hope Brett is just trolling us, in which case that would be hilarious. <laughs> um, but there's so many different possibilities, right? So uh, s- since we last talked, Colorado went from the Pac-12 to the Big 12, which it, it could stop there that could be the end of it and that that would be fine um the most likely scenarios would be that the pac-12 tries to add somebody Mm -hmm. smu could probably do it for 24 san diego state would cost them a lot more um but you know i I think a lot of people would not be surprised if those guys go and maybe unlv colorado state fresno state boise that that type of thing so that's kind of like the low-key answer to this Mm -hmm. um Sometime on Tuesday, I believe were, um, that from Yahoo and some of the other guys, uh, the, the Pac-12 is supposed to present some TV numbers to the presidents. So um, hmm. what here's here's what our TV deal is going to be. Here are the numbers. It doesn't seem like those are going to be great. So then what? Uh, one scenario is Arizona says, all right, this isn't good. I'm out. And they go to the Big 12. Um Does Utah Utah want to go? Does Arizona State want to go? Mm. If you want to get crazy, what about Oregon and Washington? Are they able – do they want to go? Does the Pac-12 exist in two years? Um, I don't know. Maybe. And then here's the other thing to bring this closer to home. I want to be careful about what I say, but there's been increasing chatter about Florida State's future in the ACC. Um, Mm -hmm. When I was was in Charlotte for the ACC media days – uh, one of the first things with Jim Phillips, the commissioner was asked uh, at, at his press conference, kind of what's, what are you guys doing to close the money gap? Right. You, you guys are way behind the big 10 and SEC. You've talked about closing it. What are you actually going to do? And they said, Oh, you know, we're working with this consulting group fish, uh, Fishbowl, and we're going to do some stuff and this that, and the other. And, you know, there's some other stuff too that I, I can't get into right now, but don't worry. we got some other stuff. Mm. And he, here's a really bad and scary analogy for Florida state fans. When he was, saying like we got other stuff don't worry about it. the thing that went into my head Rick, Willie Taggart's second recruiting class at Florida State, the first full class they did not sign a quarterback in year one the first class or the second class they did not sign a high school quarterback. That was a big deal that um, that very 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 seldom happens. so I remember people up in Tallahassee I was up there asking him what what happened he didn't get a quarterback and he's like, don't guys do not worry I have a plan. I have a plan. I'm not going to say what it is, but there is a plan. Trust me, and it's a good plan. I I got it. Uh, The plan was Alex Hornibrook at Wisconsin, who was not particularly good, and Willie Taggart did not make it through the end of the year. (laughs) If that's the comparison that goes to my head, and it's not like a crazy comparison, but if that's what's going through my head, that's not encouraging. So I don't know if Florida State's going to try and challenge the grant of rights, which is, again, the... uh, just a reminder, that's kind of the contract that binds the ACC together, where as long as you're in this through, through the media deal, you grant your TV rights, so the rights to show games from Doak and the basketball arena and baseball arena, to the ACC, which then doles out the money. So maybe they could try to challenge that in court. I, I'm still skeptical, but I don't know if there's a way for this to get out. But it's, you know, in the spring. Florida State kind of started rattling, rattling at sabers about the, the future of the conference and the financial health of the conference. And fun story. I was uh, streaming that from the car dealership, getting my car worked on. It was, and that was, I'm the only person in the history of the world who has actually told the car dealer, hey, uh, can I hang out in, the, in here for a few more minutes? Because um, <laughs> yeah, that's what was going on. But yeah. um, So Florida State, I don't think, is happy. And I don't know. I, I wonder if it's getting to the breaking point. Uh, I'm not reporting that. I'm not even saying I think it will happen. But I wonder where that breaking point is and how it gets there. Um, so yeah, uh, at the moment, uh, it's now 9-18, and I have seen no update to the eyeball emojis. So we're going to uh, keep, keep on keeping on, but it's absolutely crazy, and I don't know what's going to happen. But there's a whole lot of scenarios from nothing major
1: to blow it up. It sure seems to me that outside of the SEC and the Big Ten, everything else seems vulnerable of the Power Five conferences. Is that is that kind of where we're at right now?
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> in, a, in a nutshell, I, yeah. I'm thinking of something Mike Oresco, the American Athletic Conference commissioner, said has said repeatedly about how we're not. It's not a Power Five. It, you know, we're in this. It's we're not a mid major. We're like anybody else. Okay, if that's the case, then why would any AA school, AAC school, accept any Power Five invitation right now, this second? Exactly. So that's one level, and then you go up. If Florida State and North Carolina and Miami and Clemson and Virginia, you know, whatever, if they could go to the Big Ten and or SEC tomorrow, almost I think they all would. Like, gone. See ya. Shake sure. hands. And, and, thanks. Same thing with the Pac-12, right? Like if Cal or Stanford or mm-hmm. Washington or Oregon could go to one of those, it, it's the same thing. If Oklahoma State and TCU would get an invite to the Big Ten or SEC, they'd be gone just because the money is so much greater. Where, But that doesn't mean that in the end we're only going to have a power two. It's, I mean, it's possible. That is a legitimate possibility. It's also possible that in 10 or 15 years, you've got the Big Ten and the SEC, and then there's maybe one or two other power leagues in there too. That they're they're not quite the same, but if you take the best of the ACC, Big Twelve, Pac-12, 12, and put them together, maybe you got something that's okay. You know, with Oregon and Washington and Florida sure. State and Clemson and those guys, maybe that can be competitive. And you got a, a three or four conferences or three and a half conferences that can make it work. So yeah, that's a that's a long winded way to say yeah. I mean, it's the power two, and then it's everybody else, but. The question is, what does the everybody else look like? You know, Jim Phillips, the ACC commissioner, said um, uh, last week that basically we're we're number three. We're, we're trying to close the gap between one between one and two, and we're working on it. It's important and all that stuff, but we're number three. So the question is, is number three good enough? And who is it good enough for? And that's one of the questions that's going to define the next ten to fifteen years, honestly, in college football. Because if if Florida State and Clemson could break the grant of rights, I think they would, but I don't know that they think they can, which is why they haven't tried yet. At some point they might, but they haven't yet. And at, at what point does the calculus change where it becomes so, you you lose more money by staying where you are than you risk by trying to move, if that makes sense.
1: Sure it does. Yeah. No, it's it's the ever-changing face of college football. and. And Matt Baker gets to follow it and other things. Um, with uh, I guess media days are upon us, uh, not just the conference media days, but actual. I think USF has theirs uh, today. I mean, there's there's a we're right here is my point. Uh, and you've got some big games uh, to start the season coming up. We'll talk more about those. Uh, we'll talk about your top twenty-five rankings. I guess you got to do your AP poll, I, I suppose. Uh, who you who you like in uh, in the various conferences, the national championship picture, all of that, and we'll be with Matt Baker as well as uh, subscribe to his newsletter. How do they do that, Matt?
0: Yeah, on TampaBay.com, we've got a newsletter page for our uh, sports uh, account, uh, and I, I'm on there every Thursday. It's my the Florida Football Fix, where I try and connect the dots between what's happening in college football elsewhere and and how that matters in in Florida and you know the. D- definitely plenty to s- to say, you know, when, when I started doing it a few months ago, there were times where I wondered if I would have enough for a newsletter in addition to everything else. And believe me, I have never been at a loss for work ever. <laughs> I've got, I've got a list on, on my, you know, on, on a word doc on my computer of stuff that I'd like to get to at some point, And I never get to touch it just because there's, there's new stuff. I mean, shoot the, the Miami Herald had something uh, the other day about John Ruiz, the, the big time NIL booster and some of the shenanigans and accusations about him and his company. And like, that's a fantastic newsletter, If except like five more things have happened since then. Um, so yeah, plenty to say and plenty to write.
1: All right. Well, make sure you pick up that newsletter. We'll follow Matt in the Tampa Bay Times and on com. Thanks so much for your help, Matt. Sure. Thanks, Rick. My thanks to Matt Baker. Uh, we're going to have a mailbag segment for you guys this week as well. You can get your questions in anytime. Send those to us on Twitter at SportsDayTV. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at com. The Bucs have a night practice uh, this evening, so we look forward to that. Some good news that uh, Kalijah Cansey had his MRI um, that uh, strain calf is uh, n- nothing remarkable about it. Um, it. It looks pretty good. He's going to miss some time. The Bucks don't want to rush him. They want to get him ready for the regular season. So I would think it might be a week or two before we see him back out there, certainly uh, in pads and preparing uh, for a preseason game. If he does, goes that far. But um, pretty good news on Kalijah Kansi. That is just merely uh, a muscle strain, and it will take him some time. Uh, to make sure that uh, that he is ready for the season. Thanks for listening. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.